praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Beautiful presence of the Lord here this morning. Amen. take his presence for granted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you. Feel the presence of the Lord here. And in this atmosphere, the spirit that we feel, the presence of the Lord, why don't you grab your Bibles this morning? so good to be back in God's house this morning. Amen. I missed all of you last weekend while I was off sick. Grateful for the prayers of the church. Amen. Grateful that I know the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 18. Say amen when you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And if you go down to chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, he says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to borrow my title from the words of the Bible here, verse 18, the message of the cross, and I want to preach to you this morning on the message of the cross. The message of the cross. Would you pray with me just one more time? Precious Jesus, I feel your presence here, Lord God. I'm grateful that I know you, Lord Jesus. You're my everything, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that we can open your word together, that we can learn, we can study. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place, Lord. We ask, God, that you have your way in our hearts. Have your way in my heart, Lord. Have your way in the heart of those who listen, Lord Jesus. Let your word sink deep into our hearts. Let it impact us, Lord God, I pray. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Just a gentle reminder, please, when you come into church, please put your phones on silent. 
church is quite echoey. Praise the Lord. Humanity has never accepted simplicity. Humanity has never accepted the message of the cross. Perhaps in its simplicity, it was too hard to accept. Adam just needed to not eat the fruit. Noah, the people he preached to, they just needed to get into the boat. That's all they had to do. Naaman, the leper, he didn't want to go dip in a river. The Jewish people, they wanted a military salvation from the Romans. Over the centuries, the Catholic Church created a complex path to salvation. Hindus have three main paths to salvation, and all of them are open to individual interpretation. Buddhism will teach you that there is an eightfold path that one must follow for salvation, and it takes a lifetime of works. Humanity has never accepted a simple message. And even in Paul's day and age, he was preaching to a generation that loved philosophical ideas, things that required much thought and much effort to understand. But intersecting history and humanity's lofty ideals on how we can save ourselves We have, my friends, the cross of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. You see, the problem that humanity has always had is that it has no idea what to do with the problem of sin. And it's no wonder then that Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. A little, little further down in verse 22, he goes on, he says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And I don't know about you today, but I am glad that I am one of those who was called. I am so glad that one day I got introduced to Jesus Christ. And you're saying, well, hang on, pastor, I know your story. You grew up in church. Yes, that is true, but there reached a time in my life where I realized that I needed a Savior. And I came face to face with a Savior who bled and died on a cross for me. Hallelujah. For me, the cross of Calvary represents a time in history where God veiled Himself in flesh to give Himself for our sins. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, and not for ours only, but also 
also for the sins of the whole world, First John 2, 2 tells us. And the cross is significant because of what it achieved. Nothing less than salvation on offer for the entire world. But the reason the cross is rejected, besides the shame that we spoke about in life class, I believe the reason people reject the cross is that it sounds like it's too easy. Because at the heart of the attitude of this world is a love for self. Mankind has never liked being told that they are out of control. We don't like to be told that there's something we cannot do. We don't like to be told that there is something that is beyond our ability as a collective group of humans. The poem says that I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Humanity is in love with the mighty I. But can I tell someone today? the reality is is that without the cross of Calvary you and I would be doomed to an eternity separated from God it does not matter how many prayers you pray it doesn't matter how many journeys to Mecca you make it doesn't matter how deep you think about your religion it doesn't matter if you build your own boat it doesn't even matter which path of salvation you follow if you don't follow the right one. It doesn't matter if you follow the eightfold path that Buddha would lay out. But the reality is, is there is only one way that is available for salvation. And it is through the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and for me. And that means, my friends, it's beyond our control. It's not something we can take care of ourselves. Hallelujah. But this is why Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 he says but God who was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin has quickened us has made us alive together with Christ by grace you are saved he goes on and says that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. My friends, we are saved by grace. The unmerited favor of God towards man, not by works, lest any man should boast. The cross meant that the sin that we could not extract ourselves from and the debt that we could not possibly pay that was crushing our soul under a weight of burden was paid for in full by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Someone say hallelujah. 
This is why the cross is called the foolishness of preaching for humanity could not accept that the way of salvation could be opened like that. Humanity could not accept a God who would step out of time and eternity, veil himself in flesh, not because he was looking for glory, not because he was looking for praise, but made himself a little lower than the angels, robed in flesh, to die on a cross for you and for me. And humanity couldn't accept it. It's a stumbling block. How could God do that? My friends, I don't know how God did it. And sometimes I wonder why He did it. But all I know is that He did it. And He did it for you. And He did it for me. We were saved from our hopeless and our helpless state. Not that that means we've got nothing else to do. If we read on, excuse me. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ unto good works which God has before ordained. We should walk in them. If we want to walk in them, if we want to be his workmanship, my friends, it means there is something very simple we need to do. Hallelujah. And I am reaching for two groups of people here today. And you'll get my point in a second. But the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke says it in Luke 9.23, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, my friends, I know it's... It sounds so delightfully simple when you read it on paper. And when you hear the pastor preach it, it sounds like something that is easy to do. But can I tell somebody today that taking up your cross will have a catastrophic influence on your life as you will be required to deny yourself. Hallelujah. It's about living for something bigger than is you. It's about realizing there is more to life than looking after number one. There's more to life than your comfort. There's more to life than your satisfaction. But God is calling us. He's saying, take up your cross and follow me. Hallelujah. I've said it before. There is no other life worth living than one sold out for Jesus Christ. You want to know why? There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. There is no existence outside of Jesus Christ. When disciples began to leave Jesus and they began to desert him. Jesus turned to the twelve and he said, are you going to leave me as well? And Peter, oh I love Peter, so floored, so broken, he turns to Jesus he says, Master where else could we go? You alone have the words of life. There is no life my friends outside of Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of taking up your cross and deciding to follow him no matter the cost there is no life worth living there is no joy in this earth there is nothing that will give you what Jesus will give you 
But it starts with taking up the cross. Romans 6, 6. I'm going to come back to this, but it says this, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. It doesn't matter which way you slice it. If you claim this morning to be a follower of Jesus, then you will need to come face to face with the cross in your own life. At what point, my question for you today is at what point will it be too much for you? Thousands were happy to be fed the bread and the fish. Thousands were happy to welcome him into Jerusalem. Hundreds were there to witness the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But when you get to the Last Supper, there's only 12 that were there, and one of them betrayed him. Only three went with him into the depths of the garden to begin to pray. Only two followed Jesus to his trial, and one of them betrayed him. There's an old song that says there's room at the cross for you. And I wonder perhaps if there's room these days because it's so easy to preach a crossless Christ. But to do so is to deny what Jesus came to do. You cannot have a Messiah unless you have a cross. And you cannot be a follower of the Messiah unless you too have a cross. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, that I die daily. If we want to live with Jesus Christ, we have to die with Him as well. Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said it like this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He goes on, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whom's eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. I wonder, I just wonder, if perhaps some of us have tried to live like the foolish Galatians, trying to live our life for God by doing all the Lord by doing all the right things, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to tick this box, but then in other areas refusing to relent and not giving things up, trying so hard to defeat sin and temptation in our life by doing the right thing, all while refusing to crucify our self-righteous, willful pride. Woo. Don't worry about my attitude. I'm a Christian. I'm fine. I go to church. I'm fine. 
Oh, my friends, it's so much more than that. There's got to be a cross somewhere involved in there. Galatians tells us a bit further on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, see, we missed this part. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and their lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, my friends, the cross means you need to take one up as well. I'm preaching for those who are born again, for those who are believers, for those who consider I'm saved, I'm baptized, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm preaching to you today. You need to take up your cross. I need to take up the cross. But I'm preaching to another group of people because there's another message that the cross brings that I want to share with you this morning. In Romans chapter 6, I read it before. It says, For he that is dead from sin, is freed from sin. My friends, one day you will be freed from sin. The choice when is up to you. Because there is coming a day when you will die. They will lay you in a grave They will heap rocks, dirt, flowers on top of you. There will be feastings. There will be mornings. But on that day, you will be set free from the power of sin. Sin will no longer have any hold on your life because you are dead. The power of sin is broken beyond the grave. Of course, you have to make an account for your life before God. But beyond the grave... Sin has no power. But can I tell somebody today, you can be freed from the curse of sin before the day you die. You can. But it requires another grave. See, the first thing you have to do to be free from the power of sin is you have to repent. You have to come to the Lord and you have to say, God, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. I'm sorry I've let you down. And you are going to die to self. And when you die, what happens is you bury the body in baptism. And when you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you are going into a watery grave. And let me tell you, sin will try and follow you right up to the edge of that grave. But sin loses its power once death happens. Hallelujah. And when you die to self, and we bury you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, you have entered the grave. Sin will reach for you, but it has no power. Sin will try and get you, but it has nothing that it can hold on to because sin loses its power beyond the grave. Hallelujah. And when you come out of that watery grave as a new man and God fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit, you rise to walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. 
Oh, my friends, hear me now. The Holy Spirit is not just so you can tick a checkbox. Hallelujah. But when you die in Christ, you live in Christ. When you put to death the flesh, the Spirit begins to live. Hallelujah. That's why we say you need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is the only way that you can be free from the power of sin in your life. You can be as good a person as you like. You can tick every religious box you want. You can come to church 18 days of the month if you want. It doesn't matter if you have not gone to a grave. Sin will still have its claws on you the chains will still hold you and you will be bound until the day you die hallelujah but for those of you who step up and say no 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 I want to be free from sin I want those chains broken I want to have freedom in the name of Jesus we reach a watery grave and sin cannot enter that is the power of the message of the cross. Amen. Because once the cross happened, sin lost its teeth. When the cross happened, sin's chains were broken. Hallelujah. Oh, think about it this morning. Think about it this morning. The devil rejoiced. Yes, I've got Jesus dead. I've got Jesus dead. He's not going to make any more problems for me. Oh, no. He's done and dusted. But what was actually happening hallelujah was Jesus walked out of that grave three days later and the chains of sin hands. He said, I broke them, devil. I destroyed them, devil. Once my people go to the grave, you will have no power over them anymore. Sin has no power beyond the grave. As we get ready to wrap up this morning, I want to tell you today, you cannot live your life on cruise control. It doesn't matter if you are living for God today or you are not living for God any, at the moment. It doesn't matter if you have been baptized or you have not been baptized. Today, you have been presented with a choice. For those of you who are baptized... For those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, for those of you who have repented of your sins and you're living a victorious life with Christ, if you want to see Jesus move in your life, there's some things you've got to lay down on the altar and there's some crosses that you've got to begin to carry in your life. Humanity has never accepted simplicity, but to love Jesus with all of your heart is to follow Him with everything that you have. And it begins, my friends, with four simple words. Take up your cross and for those of you who have not been baptized for those of you who have not repented of your sins for those of you who have not been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit today represents an opportunity for you to obey the gospel to be able to step up and say I don't want to live my life under the chains of sin I don't want the devil to have me locked up where he can have me but I want to step into the one place the devil cannot go. I want to step into the one area where the demons fear to tremble and that is the watery grave where the name of Jesus is spoken over you. Hallelujah. And the chains begin to crumble. But it's up to you. It's up to you. 
You know, living for Jesus on this earth, I want to warn you. Living for Jesus on this earth is not about royal robes, but it's about the rough garment of duty. It's commitment. It's dedication. It's perseverance. And it's summarized in a heavy, blood-soaked wooden cross. And until you have felt the weight of the cross on your life, you cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus. Until you have gone down in the waters of baptism and the name of Jesus has been called over you, you cannot claim, I'm sorry, but you cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus until you obey His gospel till you do what he's told you to do. Hallelujah. Paul wrote in one of his last letters as we all stand this morning. Come play that song for us. I speak Jesus. I like that song. It's the song of the month. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 he said, For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. My question for you today is will you keep the faith? Will you keep the faith? I am preaching to two distinct groups of people this morning. And maybe I should have split this up into two messages. I don't know, but for those of you who are saved, we need to learn to take up our cross. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But as we pick that up and Jesus begins to break us and we begin to realize that actually it's not really about us at all, but it's about Jesus. That's where we're at. What's God going to ask you to sacrifice? I know what my answer is. I don't care. He can have it all because that's what he gave for me. And for those of you who have not repented of your sins, maybe you've just come because it's Easter and you want to be in church, and I commend you for that. I'm so glad you've come. But if you need to repent of your sins, uh, this is an altar. You know why we call it an altar? We call it an altar because at an altar things die. And when you come down to this altar and you begin to lay your life out, you are in essence dying. You are saying, God, I'm not going to live to myself anymore. I'm going to lay my life down on the altar. And you are dead. And if you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, today is the perfect day. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted hour. Hallelujah. We can go and baptize you in the name of Jesus. You can step out of that watery grave into a new life freed from sin. You can see the chains lying on the shore freed from sin. As Sister Janie sings, I want us to come and pray this morning. I want everybody to come and pray. Let's not have any shame.